It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Christmas is sure to fail. Santa is stuck in jail. Mrs. Claus freaked down the house on the street, trying to raise money for bail. Christmas is sure to fail. If we can't get Santa out of jail. up there on that rooftop you ain't got no idea where you're gonna have to come along with me christmas is sure to fail santa is stuck in jail miss claus freak and the elves are on the street trying to raise money for bail christmas is sure to fail if we can't get santa out of jail so they took him to the judge in the middle of the night and the judge said yeah i think you're nuts all right but I'll give you one chance to prove me wrong Make me believe you're the real Santa Claus And if you can do that right Well, I'll let you sleep it off at home tonight Yeah <laughs> Santa hunkered down low And he started humming Christmas carols real low. He said When you were five years old, your name was you left me milk and cookies and a note that said Dear Santa, all I really want is a puppy I love him forever and I'll name him Buddy And so you did for 15 years Till Buddy passed away and you cried many tears And you lost your faith like so many do But I got a little something to tell you that's true The love you give never really goes away And it all comes back on Christmas Day So here's a little something that I want to give to you and Santa handed him a puppy named Buddy Jr. Well, hey, what the judge said? Yeah, man, don't Well, the judge sat back and his face turned white. His lips started quivering, there were tears in his eyes. He looked at that puppy wrapped up in his sleeve and said, Good God Almighty, I believe. Feel him, set that man free. He's got things to do, it's Christmas Eve. 
all and to all a good night. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. And normally we don't play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. But uh, I have a couple of reasons for opening the uh, show up with that that uh, fun little ditty from the Rusty Wright Band, uh, who are from right here in good old Flint, Michigan. Uh, but uh, first, let me tell you a little bit about today's show. Coming up in the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk to aerospace professional Kelly Girardi about her book, uh, Not Necessarily Rocket Science. And then in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk to Dr. David Burns, who has a new book that talks about a revolutionary new treatment for depression and anxiety without using opioids called Feeling Great. But first, the reason uh, that I broke my rule about playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving is twofold. One, to tease our uh, Thanksgiving special, which is mostly music. Um, I know a lot of... uh, radio stations and and other radio programs have been playing Christmas music already but our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local and uh, some amazing renditions of some of your favorite uh, holiday classics and we're going to do a mostly music edition for Thanksgiving so if you're sheltering at home cooking a turkey all by yourself and you want to get in the holiday spirit Tune us in on Thanksgiving for a mostly music edition of the Tom Sumner program. Now, the other reason for playing Rusty's uh, song, Santa is Stuck in Jail, was to set up my conversation with my guest this hour, who uh, joins me by phone. And uh, he has a book that talks about uh, saving Santa in time for Christmas uh, called The Naughty List. His name is Thomas Conway, and as I mentioned, he joins me by phone. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on. Sorry to make you sit through all that, but uh, but I appreciate your uh, patience. Um, the uh, the the book that you've got is is kind of interesting because it uh, uh, it, it the the premise is Santa's. Uh, Santa's missing. The North Pole is in chaos. There's a um, an evil corporation that's sort of taking over Christmas. Um, but this is your first book. Why why a Christmas themed book for your first time out? Well, I, I really never intended to be an author. To be honest with you, I, I had um, about 15 years ago. I, I had my first child, and I just really enjoyed telling uh, my first son and then my daughter stories about all sorts of things and this story about the naughty was really stuck so um, about five years ago during a lull in my my professional career which was in IT I sat down and wrote the book and let me tell you it was it was um, I researched it first and wrote it real quickly but the path of being an author was a lot more challenging than I imagined so it, it took me about five years from when I started writing it to actually get it published, which happened just before Christmas last year. Now, being an avid storyteller, do you have the bug now that you've written a book and it's out there? I think I do. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the research I did, <laughs> a lot of the research I did, opened up new avenues. And it doesn't sound like a Christmas theme, 
But I include uh, a little bit of quantum physics in this book, a slight introduction in the sense of a quantum computer and how it works uh, breaking algorithms and such. Uh, really, the, the naughty list takes some of our Christmas traditions and weaves them into the modern world, much like we did 50, 60 years ago, where long lists, uh, a factory almost of, of the North Pole, brought it into the 20th century. I, I, I think uh, the naughty list incorporates some of our 21st century technology and also some of the trends. I loved your introduction, by the way. It's uh, a rule in my family that we do not uh, play Christmas music, at least not 24-7, till uh, Thanksgiving. So we see Santa come down the parade. Well, so I, I, definitely, um, I went ahead and ahead. played that song, breaking my own rule that we don't start anything until Thanksgiving. That that's, uh, you know, we don't kick off the holiday season until the Macy's Parade, which also makes an appearance in your book. Yes, actually, the, the book starts at the Macy's Parade with Santa Claus not appearing. So that really kicks off the action, and uh, I, I try to get into it pretty quick, where by the end of the first chapter, the protagonist, uh, a young boy about 12 or 13, he ends up at the North Pole at the end of the first chapter, and that's really where, where the, uh, the fun begins, where the, he gets up there, understands the nature of the problem, and then, um, then he, it's time for him to go to work to, to save the holiday. Well, and the, the, the thing that... that caught my attention about this book was just the title itself, The Naughty List. How is it that kids from the naughty list end up being the heroes? Well, what happens really is um, the North Pole, without Santa Claus, it's, it's Mrs. Claus and the elves, and they realize quickly that the, the work of getting Santa back from a, a toy company is a, a necessarily dirty business. It's a tough job to have, and the elves, being the elves, are just too, uh, too innocent to pull off that type of, of action. So instead of trying it themselves, they turn to the only people they have a list of, and that's the naughty kids, hopefully uh, counting on their ingenuity to help save the day. Oh, that's fun. When you need, uh, when you need to uh, deal with bad guys, get bad guys. <laughs> yes, and, and the, the elves are, are masters at, at looking at children's behavior. So I, I think the elves, better than anyone, understand children and the root of their naughty behavior. And the books, one of the themes in the book is kids are naturally going to misbehave. It's, it's sort of exploring your world will involve making mistakes. And that's really my, my theme there about the naughty list is, is these naughty kids, they shouldn't be labeled as, as naughty kids. They should just be... Uh, if anything, recognized for their naughty actions and try to correct it, but not, not give them that label that they're permanently naughty. So kids who do all sorts of backgrounds and different naughty reasons join together and, and realize that the world may have labeled them, but they don't need to forever be stuck in that label. Well, just, just as you suggest that there's, uh, you know, a little bit of mischief in all kids, there's a little bit of good in all kids, too. Yes, yes, I think so. And that's where in the, in the book it all comes out. So these naughty characters, some of them are, are definitely pretty, pretty bad or have done some bad things. But when they get together to work for a good cause, they sort of find that purpose in them. And instead of feeding into their, their bad behavior, they, they, they create a positive feedback loop where they, 
they begin to appreciate hard work and, and turning into a, a better person. And they're all given that chance. And I, I don't think I'll ruin the story by saying they all succeed in, in becoming better kids. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I would think that most people would sit down and start reading this book hoping that that turns out to be true. Yes, and, and it's, <laughs> it's, they will not be disappointed, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and it's a good thing, actually, that I'm on now, uh, a couple days before Thanksgiving. The book's about 45 chapters. Some are shorter or longer than others. But if you spend about 20 minutes a night reading it to middle-aged children or having them read it on their own, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you can really get the story in and, and make it uh, um, a nightly activity that the family can enjoy together. Is there a, a target age for the book? I was reading that, that it's uh, considered kind of a fam- family-friendly tale, um, but is there a, a, a specific age group that, uh, that this book is targeted to? Uh, it's definitely it's for children. So without a doubt, that was um, my angle. But n- having not been an author or not necessarily writing it to a specific audience, there's definitely a few concepts that would be, say, above a 9-year-old level, but a 12- or 13-year-old would, would probably understand all the, the science in it. There's, there's quite a bit of science and world history that, that are, are most appropriate for that young adult somewhere in the 12 to 14 year old range but um certainly enough facts uh, and history to, to keep adults entertained as well if, if you're a fan of christmas this uh book will weave together a lot of worldwide christmas traditions that you many you've heard of and some you may not have yeah and and that was something i wanted to talk about a little bit too is how it uh um, how it, it weaves in these uh these other traditions and how that plays a role in this uh, in this story, which is kind of an adventure, think, actually. Yes, it definitely is. There's, uh, at the end, a, a climactic uh, battle scene, but in, in keeping with tri- Christmas, it, it's not a, a violent type of battle scene. It's more robots and toy soldiers and snowmen and the things you would expect in Christmas, having a, a little uh, uh, confrontation at, at the bottom of... of their attempt to rescue Santa Claus. Tom, I have to. That, Tom, uh, I have to pause. I have to pause you there. I have a break coming up. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my guest. Course. My guest is Tom Conway. He is the author of the Naughty List, which is the winner of the 2020 Indie Book Award in the ebook fiction category. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM in Flint, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. 
Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad America, Council. your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, pearly gate rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in checker money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residence, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is the uh, author of a book called The Naughty List about some courageous kids who have to save Santa in time for Christmas. His name is Thomas Conway. Tom, welcome back to the show, and thanks for sticking around. Oh, my pleasure. Um, 
Tom, just just before the break, I was cutting you off a little bit and and uh, wondered if you wanted to pick it up where we left off. Um, yeah, <laughs> I actually what I want to talk about with the naughty kids, and and we were talking a little bit about the age range it's made for and things like that. Yeah, the the char- the the naughty kids themselves, the ones that get involved in the book, come from diverse backgrounds. So there's a few from um, the United States, but they also come from. Austria, we have a, a child who makes a journey up from Iraq. There's one from Israel and one from uh, Japan. So it is a, a bit of a worldwide cast of kids that, that do come together. And each of them have a, a unique uh, personality, almost like something you, you would see in that 80s movie, The Breakfast Club, where you highlight, almost over-highlight people's characteristic towards an athlete or maybe a computer uh, computer expert in those types of um, passions for each child well it's a team and that each each one brings uh different skills yes and then coming from around the world it's it's really the book explores some of that history of christmas so uh the way christmas is is predates even christ as far as midwinter celebrations they have been going on since the beginning of mankind almost out of necessity, yet you really had two things going. Uh, in the realistic sense, you had a lot of animals that you had raised and you needed to cull because they wouldn't make it through the winter. So feasting at the end of uh, the harvest season was, was a natural, physical thing. And then spiritually, with the shortening of days, certainly in today's world, we know the sun is coming back in December 22nd or so. But in the ancient world, they really needed these celebrations to bring back the sun. So in the book, when you get characters from around the world, they may bring in their own type of tradition toward Christmas, but then uh, they all celebrate it together and realize the holiday encompasses. It is focused on, on, in this book, it's focused on Santa Claus, of course, but it all incorporates a lot of the traditions from around the world and melds them together. What, what part of the world are you from, Tom? Uh, I'm from New Jersey, here in uh, the United States. Okay, and 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 I was curious about that because you talk about a lot of the American uh, traditions with regard to Christmas, um, snow and snowmen and that sort of thing. And uh, when you talk about these these other things from around the world, you mentioned in the last segment that you did uh, a lot of research um, while you were writing this book. Uh, what kinds of things did you have to research and, and dig up to, to put together this story? Well, to make it a worldwide adventure, I really tried to understand the traditions of each country. So from England, they have a, a tradition of burning a letter in the fireplace, and then your message travels through smoke to the North Pole. In um, Austria, their traditions are more influenced by the Yule holiday in the, in the Norse gods like Odin. And then I swing out to Israel. Believe it or not, there is an Israeli Santa Claus. His name's Nikola Abdu. In real life, he, he travels around the Israel uh, area as well as Palestine delivering presents to kids. And it, he's, he's taken the Santa message to a place where you would least like to, um, where it's least likely to be found. And even swinging out to Japan, they have a, a very unique Christmas tradition. In, in the post-war era, in the, in the 60s and 70s, uh, KFC made it into their Christmas tradition. So in Japan, it's not uncommon on Christmas Eve to see a line out front of the, 
local KFC as they, they pick up a bucket of chicken, and that becomes their, their Christmas tradition. So they, there's a lot of them around the world that are just sometimes almost bizarre, and, and the book does touch on many of those types of traditions. What, what uh, sparked your interest in folding these, uh, these kids from around the world and their backgrounds and their holiday traditions into this uh, story about Santa Claus? I, I guess it's my uh, my passion. Now I've I'm a I read a lot of history, a lot of nonfiction history books. Um, it's not the best prep to write a young adult book. It's definitely a whole different writing style. But from the Greeks on to the Romans and and beyond, I've been a huge fan of history. And in learning that, I realized some of the things we take for granted today, as thinking it's always been the same way. When you read history, you see the roots of certain traditions and things. So in the book, I, I try to incorporate some of that passion I have for history and just give a little background to some of the Christmas celebrations we have and some of those sayings that may have been lost over the ages. One of my favorites that I mentioned in the book is that black is the true color of Christmas. And it, although that sounds odd, it got explained in the 1800s in that Black's the background that makes our, our human spirit shine out so bright during the holiday. It, it's really, we light the world with our human spirit. And it's that black background, those long nights, that give us the ability to do that and really shine forth. It, to me, it's an, it's an amazing time of year. It really brings out the best in people. It really does, and it's, it's a little different um, this time this year because of the pandemic and people being encouraged not to move from house to house for celebrations and so on to sort of keep it indoors with family and and you know immediate members of the household and and so on um how is trying to get a book out during this pandemic uh extra challenging i think um it's tough in not doing face-to-face uh, -face meetings with people. I, I really do think um, that's been a bit of a hindrance in doing everything virtually is, has been a little difficult. But on the flip side, my, my book really is about uh, even, even what we, you did at the beginning of the program. People are starting to play Christmas music in early November. They're starting to put their store displays up at the end of August. And, and there's an over-commercialization of the holiday. And uh, the book attacks that head-on. It really is, is an anti-commercialist message in there. Uh, not to end it completely, but certainly to, to try to rein it back a little bit. And it, I think in today's environment, with this COVID-19 lockdown, it's, it could have a positive effect in some ways in that Christmas may be a little bit more uh, tight with the family, a little bit more of a slowdown versus that, that hectic rush to get everything perfect by the 24th. We may see it, it becomes a little bit more of the old-time Christmas where people weren't so run ragged getting ready for the big day. Right. The, um, one of the things that I was curious about, you, you said you wrote the book or the story fairly quickly, and then it was a long, arduous process to, to getting it out. What were, what were some of the steps and some of the hurdles you had to, to go through? I spent a, a few months just researching Christmas. Uh, part of it was during the Christmas season. That was a lot of fun. And then when it was time to write the story, I guess I had told it so many times in my head that it only took me six weeks to get it down on paper. 
but then it took me four years to edit the story. Um, I, I, it's probably a little of the na being naive as a first-time writer that I tried to get every word, every sentence um, in perfect order, and and it never seemed um, perfect enough. I, I guess I'm a bit of a perfectionist in that sense. So uh, finally, last November, it, it was in great shape, and I was reading the book and making maybe two changes, and said, "This is this is time." I've <laughs> I, I think also it takes it takes a bit of courage um, to it took me a bit of courage to get that personal story out. I'm not a very public person, certainly. So it, to to get my my own story out in the public was a hurdle. I, I think I mentally had to overcome, and that that might have played into the whole process. But a first time book getting published is uh, a huge accomplishment, Tom. Um, a lot of writers I've talked to, and some that are New York Times bestsellers, say, you know, their first books, they, they shopped them around and shopped them around, and they, they, they couldn't get them published. Um, how, did, how did it play out for you? Um, I actually hooked up early on. I had a, a small publisher interested in the book, but I guess I wasn't ready to, to let the book go then. Um, so I, I have basically self-published it was just through a local group here and we were able to get it out through amazon um and honestly after i published the story i was hoping i wasn't sure how to get it into the mind of people and i ended up entering that indie book contest and when i won the overall fiction category the ebook fiction category i uh, it really spurred me on to, to um begin to spread the word a little better about my book. So I, I understand, though, what other authors are going through, because I went through it myself. It, it is a, a, tough, a tough business to crack into. And I think with today's platforms, there's so much more writing and authors out there than there used to be. But um, it's, it's definitely a tough one to crack into. What kind of feedback are you getting from people about the book? Uh, it's, it's varied. I think... Um, Early on, I, I had a review that was negative, and it crushed me. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, again, you put yourself out there. I, I'm sure, you, I, I know you've had a, quite a varied career yourself. You know, not everything's going to be a home run. But, um, you know, when you, you do put yourself out there, you've you, you, uh, got to get used to both sides of the coin. So getting the positive feedback has certainly bolstered me, and um, there are some negative ones. I think um, going to a big publishing uh, review uh, place like Kirkus that does it for libraries and stuff, uh, I got a positive review from them. So that really, to me, legitimized the, the whole effort, having a professional company like that um, give me that, that positive review. And hopefully it helps um, sell the book because this is, this is definitely the time of year it's made for. And, and, and this is a time... Um because of uh, COVID-19, it's a good time for people to sit down with a good book. Yes, and, and this book will take you away. It's, a, it's certainly a, a Christmas fantasy type book. It's a fantasy adventure. And it's uh, also got, it's filled with heartwarming messages. It, it doesn't uh, deal with anything really too controversial out there. It's really just about uh, naughty kids finding their purpose in life and, and succeeding and sprinkling in a little bit of uh, modern technology and, of course, the magic along the way. Um, well, it just it's, it sounds like tremendous fun. In fact, it, it sounds like it would make a good movie. Would you like to see this uh, 
come to life on the big screen or small screen for that matter? I think when I first wrote it, that that was definitely a a dream of mine. I just don't know. um, I I certainly would not have no objection to seeing it in a movie or some type of TV special. But it's not a a goal I had either in making the book or even at this point. Um, I hope to have an audio book come out shortly. But as far as converting it into a film, I I think it would play well on the, the big screen. There's certainly the action scenes in the third part are made for um, big, expansive views. There's ships made of um, a substance called pycrete that will plow through the ocean on their way to to rescue Santa Claus. As I mentioned before, there's a a toy battle with robots and wooden soldiers. So some of those play very well on on the big screen. I I think like any book conversion, though, you may lose some of the nuances, some of the references to history, or maybe some of the quirks of the characters. But again, I, I... I wouldn't complain if I was watching it on the big screen, that's for sure. What's, uh, Tom, what's next for you if, if you've got the bug? Have you uh, started thinking through or, or maybe outlining uh, a, a future book? Uh, yes, I, I'm currently working on two ideas. One is to take the idea of the quantum physics aspect that's lightly touched on in the book and take that into a, a science fiction book made for an older audience. Uh, that involves the, the quantum realities. I've, I've been interested in that, that realm for a long time. And it's one of the few areas, I think, in our modern society where, uh, especially science, where we're in our infancy of understanding. So there's a lot of possibilities still to be explored in that subject. And there's another idea. I live in Ringwood, New Jersey, and we have a Superfund site here. And I work with the local community to try to get a cleanup going. And uh, I, I've thought also of... I know a lot of the data and the players in this, this drama that continues to go on. And I've thought about writing maybe a nonfiction book uh, centered mostly on the, the 50-year struggle of a, a Native American community to clean up their land. It, it, it's, a, it's a sad story out here, and I, I think the only chance of reversing the inevitable outcome is, is to get some people to understand it. And I, I think that would be a, another possible book. But right now I'm working on the former, the quantum book. What was the the writing process of uh, of this book, the Naughty List, like for you? Uh, because you, you've been working on it for over five years, and your kids were fairly young. Um, were you able to to set up a, a schedule? Did you did you write every day, or did you just binge write when you had the chance? Uh, no, I, I was fortunate that I was able to take, um, you could call it a sabbatical from work. I was really in between positions at work, and my work schedule went down below two days a week for almost a year. So during that time, I was able to, when I actually, researching it was all over the place, but when I sat down to write it, I was able to get a solid six weeks in the middle of the summer to sit in my room and write about winter so it was a little juxtaposed but um i'm I'm sweating while i'm writing about winter it was um it certainly uh, i needed that block of time i think it's it's incredibly difficult and amazing that people are able to write books in their free time i I think the governor of new york just wrote a book about covid in the middle of the covid crisis so it's to me that stuff's amazing i really need to sit down and focus for for multiple weeks to, to get something out I remember talking to uh, Mary Higgins Clark, and um, 
she was saying that in her early days, she would get up um, practically in the middle of the night and write for a while before her kids got up. And and people that do that, it, it, that just always surprises me at the different ways that people figure out to, to get the writing in. You have to be really motivated um, to, to take on a project like this, as you well know. Yes, and then that process he uses is really amazing to be able to squeeze it in, wake up in the morning and write. Uh, I'm a little more probably formal in that I spend, for the next book I'm writing, I'll probably spend three or four years researching and developing the story in my head. And um, it's, it's a hodgepodge of post-it notes put everywhere, ideas written down in different notebooks. Uh, but I want to get to the point where it's time to write, say, an 80,000-word book that I have at least uh, 400,000 words in my head to, to cut out the, the worst and keep the best and, and put it all together. But my, my process is definitely to get research to the point where I have too much information and a, and a universe of ideas to, to cut it down into a cohesive story. Now this is this is fairly new for you, Tom. Um, have you set up a website yet? I have a personal website. It's um, got some pictures on it. It's thomasconway.net. It's um, it's pictures, a couple of reviews from the book. It's certainly not a, a polished product at this point. I have not worked on um, selling myself or like a full bio of the the different activities I'm in. But I am uh, getting started on that. But pretty much, if you go to my website, you'll see some reviews, some pictures, and a link back to the Amazon site and to buy the book on paperback. And what is that uh, that website, Tom? Oh, it's thomasconway.net. Oh, okay. Um, and and I imagine that you'll be posting things there as uh, as they evolve and develop. Yes. Yeah. I certainly. Um, I post a lot of different pictures. I'm an avid outdoor uh, naturalist, uh, so I, I get a lot of pictures of sunsets and uh, beautiful places. And a lot of my book thinking gets, I, I put those thoughts together as I'm walking on a trail. Um, nothing works so well for me as a, as a nice long walk to put the ideas together. It might take an hour to get rid of the uh, stresses of every day, but then I can start thinking about the book after that. Well, I know I've talked to um, a lot of uh, authors who have been lamenting the, the pandemic in that they haven't been able to get out to bookstores and do book signings and uh, readings and, and some of those kinds of things to help promote the book. Um, and, and instead, they've been invited into uh, some bookstores via Zoom. Have you had the opportunity to do any of those uh, online promotional uh, things for the book? Uh, yes, I had, um, actually I did a pretty big one on a focus on, uh, from, called Zoom into Books, uh, where they created a whole, a whole series for authors to present on their book. And that was less of an interview or discussion, more of a, almost a PowerPoint, well it was a PowerPoint presentation, where I went over some of the history of, of Christmas and the technology used in the book, as well as a a brief bio on each character. So, um, but it is challenging. With, without those true book signings, it, it's tough to get a book, uh, a group together. You can do virtual uh, book clubs and things like that, but uh, a full-on uh, virtual book signing, I, I haven't actually taken part in something like that. 
but more just a presentation or a Q&A. Well, hopefully some more of those things will come your way and, and uh, you'll get a chance to um, talk about the book with, with more people. You said you were a little bit reserved, and I know a lot of writers, writing is kind of a solitary thing, um, but, but some writers really enjoy that interaction with people. Where do you fall on that continuum? Oh, I'd have to say I'm on the uh, definitely on the very conservative side of it. Um, I joke with people that, and, and it's probably opposite for many authors, but writing the book uh, and editing it seemed difficult, but selling it made made those two things look looking back on them seem easy. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> putting myself out there, and, and you kind of have to sell yourself with the book. That that to me has been a challenge, and. Uh, you know, like today, I'm doing my best to, to just sort of get the word out there, and uh, but it is a challenge, especially that that we don't have a normal, the normal way of selling a book open at this point. That that those book signings and face-to-face gatherings. Well, Tom, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, and the book is is. Um tremendously fun and interesting at the same time. Um, when you were writing the book, what, um, when you were, as you were telling this story, what did you imagine people would take away from it? Well, I hope the, the biggest thing centers around the, the, the title of Naughty List is that um, we don't label kids. I, I think too often we're so quick to label them, and if they're naughty or they're having bad behavior, that's usually the failure of the adults around them, and we need to all take responsibility for, for a child that's misbehaving, not just throw a label on them and, and close the book. I, I think um, kids will often misbehave or not do what they're told, and we, we want to order them around, but we don't give them the reasons why, the whys behind their action. Here's why you need to learn this. Here's why you should learn that. And the book, I really hope people get that message that kids can change, they can be corrected, even naughty kids can turn out nice if they're given the right support. And sometimes it could be as simple as really getting them to understand the whys behind the actions that we want them to take and the whys behind the actions we don't want them to take. Um, I think I mentioned in the book, at one point, uh, a character is acting badly, and the only corrective ac- action is punishment. So he, he, in his mind, he thinks, well, as long as I don't get caught, then I'm doing everything okay because I won't get punished. So they, he never really understood the why of his naughty actions until they go to the North Pole. And, of course, the elves are always watching so they can, they can recount all the bad actions and help the child understand the why behind it. And that leads to, to better behavior. Well, Tom, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. I, I wish you the best of luck with the book and with future books. Um, the book is, uh, of course, called The Naughty List by Thomas Conway. Tom, have a happy holiday season, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you when your next book comes out. Great. Thanks. You too. And I look forward to uh, listening in on, on Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> All right. Take care. You too. Bye. We'll have more straight Hi, ahead. this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Mom always liked you best. My mom always liked my brother best and she never liked me. Mom and you, you and mom... Why do you keep telling me mom always likes you because best? Because she... Every re- time you get back, you say, mom always liked you best. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, mom always liked you best. You and, and you always picked on me? You and mom... You and, my mom and my brother get together and say, we don't like you. <laughs> because mom liked you best you know and she why never she, liked me. Wait a minute. Do you know why she liked me best? She... Oh, Would you like to know why she liked me best? Sure she liked me best, why not? I never knew mom liked you best. <laughs> you and mom always used to pick on me. That's, now I remember. Yeah, now you remember. Mom liked you best and she never liked me. You wanna know why? Why? Because I happen to be an only child. <laughs> Touchy, touchy. <laughs> Touche. Touche. This just isn't your night, Tommy. Your mom we... gave you a dog. My mom gave my brother a dog, and I didn't get to have a dog in more Everybody than Everybody had dogs. I didn't have a dog. You got to have a dog in more than anything in the whole world. I wanted to have a dog of my own. I asked my mom, I said, Mom, I want to I have a dog like my brother Dickie Smothers. You remember me. I'm Tommy Smothers. <laughs> And I never got to have a dog, and you wouldn't let me play with your dog or anything. I remember when I was 10 years old, I said, if I could only have a dog. My brother had a dog, and I couldn't... I didn't get to play with your dog, and you you would always tell Mom when I played with your dog, Hey, Tommy's playing with my dog. You remember Tommy, the kid you don't like so much? (laughs) But I didn't get to play with a dog, and I didn't have a dog. Hold it a minute. Before we go any further, you... You know you had your own pet already. Crummy chicken. Well, you wanted it. It's no fun playing with a chicken. They don't bark good. You wanted it. You I said, didn't want that. You wanted to sell the eggs. It was a rooster. And every Saturday, my brother, they would, all, the, all of his friends, they get on their, they all get up their dogs and they get their bicycles. And they, I didn't have a bicycle either! <laughs> you had a bicycle! Now hold it down, hold it down. You're just getting excited. You had a wagon. That was a good wagon. One wheel? <laughs> What'd you do with the other wheels? Well, it was hard for the chicken to pull that one wheel wagon. Listen. You never liked me and you went on hikes and you... and. You know why you didn't get to go on hikes? You, you never had, would accept you know, me. You even had a dolly. A what? A dolly. My brother had a doll. You shut up. You shut up about my doll. You had that dolly. I remember you and your dolly. I said, Mom, don't give me a dolly. I, I was always, I always liked my brother. Mom says, always like your brother. And I like my brother. We used to 
hanging around and do things together. Every, about once every three or four months, he'd say, come on, Tom, let's go smoke some Crayolas. <laughs> I certainly did not say that. You did, Crayolas. too. I did not. Stains your teeth. You go it? on hikes. That's right, we went on hikes, because dogs and boys go on hikes. You can't take a chicken on a hike. Frank was a good hiker. Listen, all the guys knew Frank was the best hiking chicken in the block. The reason you couldn't go on a hike, you couldn't keep up. You and that crummy wagon. But you want to know the Fast, real reason? Fastest one-wheel wagon around! All right, Tommy, you want to know the real reason? Is that it wasn't your place to go on a hike with us. It's we liked you and we liked the chicken, but boys and dogs, they go on hikes together, they're buddies, you know? A little boy even sleeps with his dog. You've never realized the place for a boy in this chicken. Chicken coop. You should have kept that crummy chicken in that chicken coop, Tom, and away from my dog. My uh, chicken killed his dog. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys Have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC And listen well Unless you want to bid our free society Farewell There is a Super bad transmittable Contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick And social distance It will mire us In a stretch of quarantine That lasts until July A super bad transmittable Contagious awful and if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docs were busy overseas with World War I. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. It's super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
show down here it's a Tom Sumner program don't you know go on go on get out of here 